Today on Season 3, Episode 8 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce welcomes Eli Berkovitz to the UPP studio. Eli boasts quite the resume, including Packer Report, 24-7 Sports, Fantasy Pros, and AMA Fantasy Football. Now you'll get to know Eli as a Packers fan, too. He's got Chicago roots, but green and gold running through his veins. Join Bryce and Eli as they talk expectations for Goody and Company in our last guest episode heading into the draft. Will the Packers stay put at 30? Are some mid-round moves to be anticipated? Will the Packers draft 10 players? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for Eli Berkovitz on tap. This is Green Bay. Green Bay. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards! Everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Let me tell you this Green Bay is a great town. This is Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for Eli Berkovitz on tap. We're super excited to kick off our NFL draft episode. Two days before the NFL draft, we're super excited to have Eli Berkovitz in the quote-unquote studio. How are you doing? And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Bryce. I'm just looking forward to this draft. I think we've all seen enough mocks and predictions and rumors for a lifetime. Let's just get to it already. Yeah, absolutely. We've done several episodes highlighting what the Packers will do. We've had different guests, a variety of different backgrounds, but first and foremost, Give a little introduction real quick of who Eli is and what kind of Packers content you do. All right. Well, Eli is a diehard Packer fan. That's the bottom <laughs> line. Um, I am all Packers. You can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. I release all sorts of video content out there, both for the Packers and the NFL draft. You could also find me on 24-7 Sports with Packer Report, as well as Fantasy Pros, where I write for them. So just both Packers and Fantasy Football is where I focus at right now. But with the draft coming up at the end of the week, obviously, it's all NFL draft right now. Absolutely. And you've blown up on Twitter. Uh, we we had you in the studio uh, during training camp uh, right before the start of the 2019 season. Yep. And, you know, I could tell that, you know, you were a budding uh, <laughs> name to keep an eye on. And it's great to see you being involved with Packer Report. What kind of uh, work do you do with them and sort of articles that you've released recently? Um, so I've been mostly covering the draft for them over the last couple months, but when it comes to Packer Report, you know, I'll cover just about anything, but I've been doing a lot of player profiles on PackerReport.com. So you could go over there and search for guys. I, you know, I've done report profiles on Brandon Ayuk, who's a popular pick to the Packers, Justin Jefferson, LaVisca Chenault, all sorts of different guys, both a receiver, linebacker. I broke down my top five receivers for Packer Report. So a lot of good draft stuff. And then obviously, as soon as the draft is over, I'll start breaking down whoever we picked. I can't wait to see what you have. And I love the videos that you've been releasing, too. And you've been getting some loves from some former Packer players, right? <laughs> Donald yeah. Driver, Charles Woodson. Yeah, I've gotten, uh, I've gotten, yeah, I guess I could say lucky a little bit. Some Donald Driver love, maybe some John Kuhn a little bit. Charles Woodson definitely has been around. Uh, 
Yeah, look, you know, I just, especially during quarantine right now, I just spending my time watching Packers football. And I think everyone deserves the right to watch as much Packers football as possible. So I love putting those videos together, throwing them out there on Twitter, letting the guys see it. And obviously it is nice when someone like Charles Woodson or Donald Driver, you know, gives you a retweet. It's definitely cool. How cool that is. A, <laughs> uh, what, and I've seen it, and, you know, just to I'm in awe. And so I can't imagine being uh, the recipient on the other end. So congratulations Thank you. for everything that you've done and exciting to see uh, what the future holds for you, Eli. And Thank you. now I'm really curious to know a little bit more about how you became a Packers fan. So all of our guest questions that we have on the Unknown Packers podcast, they're all set three questions. All right. And the first question is, how, how did you become a Packers fan? So it's a little bit of an interesting story because I actually live in Chicago. I was born in Chicago. So generally not the best place to be a Bears fan. But my dad grew up in Wisconsin, moved to Chicago during his teen years. And that kind of he stuck with the Packers. And I mean, look, I obviously can't complain. If I was a Bears fan for the last 23 years, I would be in bad shape. So I am very thankful every day that my dad is from Wisconsin and I get to be a Packers fan because of it, because I could not watch Rex Grossman, Jay Cutler, and Mitch Trubisky run my teams for the last 20 years. So I lucked out over there. Absolutely. And uh, Nebels, our producer and also our co-founder as well, He's also a guy residing in uh, the greater Chicago area as well. So he's had to uh, fend off Bears fans. And <laughs> Definitely. This is the question that I always love because I'm always curious to see how people became Packer fans because, you know, I'm born and raised in Wisconsin. You know, I came into this world and my dad put a Packers onesie on me and I really exactly. didn't have any choice. <laughs> yep. And uh, very thankful for that. And now I'm curious as to who's your favorite current Green Bay Packers player and your favorite past Green Bay Packers player? That is tough. Current? I mean, I guess I got to go Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it seems so like bland, but bottom line is what he's done, not only for the Packers, but for the NFL, you know, in my opinion and a lot of people's opinions, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. And you just see him play the position and it's just unbelievable to watch. So for me, even though it might be a big classic, I have to go Rodgers as my favorite current player. And my favorite pass player, I want to give it a tie to two guys, which is Jordy Nelson and Donald Driver. I grew up younger, you know, I mean, Driver was a bit earlier, but I grew up loving Donald Driver. And then as Driver started to phase out and retire and Jordy started to step up, Jordy, you know, is just, I think everyone in Packers Nation is highly in love with Jordy Nelson, you know, <laughs> there's, there's no one who would who would say a bad word about him. So Jordy has to be on that list for me. I love it. And I think Jordy might be the first person on here for a, a favorite past Green Bay Packer. So th like I said, there's always a diverse background of answers. And I'm with you. My favorite current Green Bay Packer player is Aaron Rodgers. He will probably go down as my favorite Green Bay Packer player of all time. I just actually was watching you know, with everything that's going on with coronavirus, COVID-19, sports have been shut down, clearly. And yep. I haven't watched any sports. I haven't watched really any highlights. I've just been reading more and more about the NFL draft. And I changed it up 
Mm-hmm. I, uh, a couple days ago, I decided to watch uh, the free fall of Aaron Rodgers in the 2005 draft. Yeah. And it it reignited just my love for Aaron Rodgers and just all the little things that went into that 2005 draft on how he was promised by the San Francisco 49ers that he would be taken number one overall. Mike McCarthy, the offensive coordinator at the time for the San Francisco 49ers, had said that he was by far and away the best quarterback prospect, and he still didn't understand why the 49ers went ahead and drafted uh, Alex Smith instead. And interesting enough, too, is that uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with John Gruden, uh, little did I know is that Gruden and the Buccaneers are really interested in Aaron Rodgers, and instead they went with Cadillac Williams. So that is the only sports I've I've watched outside of uh, reading the NFL draft. But Aaron Rodgers, I mean, what he's gone through, and now I'm excited to see because a lot of people are, you know, downplaying his ability. In your mind, what do you see that Rodgers can do better moving forward, or do you see him more as a guy that will continue to evolve? I think I think he will evolve in a way, just in terms of getting used to this new offense. And you know, some people want to say last year was a quote unquote down year because of a new offense or this that. Number one. 26 touchdowns, four interceptions, and over 4,000 yards isn't a down year. Many quarterbacks would dream of such a season. But yes, in Aaron Rodgers' standards, you want to call that a down year? I won't fight you on it. But I don't think it was so much to do. Of course, transitioning to a new offense, it's hard and it takes time. But I also think there's no way we can we can look past the fact that outside of Devontae Adams, there really wasn't a reliable receiver to look towards. I mean, Alan Lazard showed up midway through the season, but even him, an undrafted free agent, someone who has made, shown some flashes, but not necessarily someone you want to rely on on a down-to-down basis as your number two. So I think Rodgers going into his second year under LaFleur, he'll become a lot more comfortable. I think the biggest thing that I noticed last year, and Bryce, I'm curious if you thought the same, the lack of no huddle was so apparent in their offense. Even if if they were trailing, even if it was a two-minute drill, it was like the offense was so new to some of the people, whether it was LaFleur getting the play calls out or Rodgers understanding them. Clearly, there was a divide there because we were calling, you know, the delay games, calling hike when there's a half a second left. Mm -hmm. Zero tempo, no, no huddle. So I think when everyone gets that offense under their belt for a second year, we're going to see a more tempo offense and a more comfortable Rodgers and hopefully some more receiving weapons, and that should get him back to his normal 30 to 35 touchdown, you know, five or less pick kind of guy. <laughs> no kidding. I and mean, what a stat line, too. And I'm glad you mentioned the no huddle. Definitely something that I picked up on. And there were definitely uh, some games that pop up in, in in my head when it comes to the no huddle. The Philadelphia Eagles game that they yeah, lost. Absolutely. Um, you know, they started off hot, no huddle. Devontae gets that. That deep shot. Yep. And then Devontae again in the Niners game in the regular season where they come out, you know, firing on all cylinders. Devontae gets that taunting call Mm -hmm. and then that changes the... It seems so silly when you end up losing a game by, you know, 30 points. But bottom line is the opening drive of the game, they were on the move and they just got a bogus taunting call, like one of the weakest taunting calls I've seen. And yeah, you know, it's sometimes all it takes is one play. It puts you in a hole. You end up punting, and next thing you know, you're you're out of the game. And I think moving forward, I mean, like you said, getting comfortable. Um, Lafleur, uh, another year under his belt. He doesn't have that rookie head coach label that he has to, you know, defend throughout that year. And now they know what they have with Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams and that offense. And so for me, I think also 
Rogers deflecting off of Jones more so. So that evolutionary part of, you know, utilizing Aaron Jones. And I would love to see more no huddle. And like you said, I think it's more of a comfortable aspect. You got that year one to year two jump. For sure. I mean, Aaron Jones, just something actually last night, I went and I was looking over some Aaron Jones stuff because, I mean, let's be real, not even as Packer fans, he's he's just incredible. When you're looking at running backs in the NFL right now, I don't see any way he's not talked about it near the top of the list. The things he does, and he's obviously improved a ton in the receiving game. And Aaron Jones' career, including the playoffs, he's had 11 games with 20 touches, which, number one, right there seems to be a, a crime. He should have a lot more than that. But 11 career games with 20 touches, in those 11 games, he's totaled 1,146 rushing yards, 444 receiving yards, and 16 touchdowns in those 11 games. The Packers are 9-2 and two in games where Aaron Jones gets 20 touches, and one of the losses was with Brent Hundley at quarterback. So if you want to talk with Rodgers, they're 9-1 and one with Aaron Jones getting 20 touches. I mean, the, the guy's a game changer, and I think LaFleur started to realize that as the season went on, kind of opposite of maybe the way uh, McCarthy looked at it. But I think going into this year... Jamal Williams, yes, he'll get his touches, but I think I think Aaron Jones needs to have a minimum, a floor of 18 to 20 touches a game. You see it works. You see how good he is. I don't know why you wouldn't. Three Aaron Jones is about time and uh, him going into a contract year as well. I'm sure he wants as many touches, and that's what we need to savor is we've got another year of Aaron Jones, and uh, we'll see what happens, but I think he's the X factor. I think that he changes everything everything for that offense and you can disguise him and I'm excited for the second half to talk about some other complimentary players and as we wrap up the first half of Eli Berkovitz on tap what is your favorite Green Bay Packers memory my favorite memory wow all right I mean I I won't do the Super Bowl because it seems too obvious (laughs) I'll I'll go with this because this one was actually kind of cool 2013 the year Rodgers broke his collarbone for the first time the season looked like it was lost of course, Matt Flynn came in, had the comeback versus Dallas, had another win or two. Next thing you know, week 17, Packers-Bears, winner takes the NFC North. That day, me and my dad actually went down to Soldier Field, and I was in I was in the end zone where Randall Cobb caught that touchdown. And wow. I, just, I just remember the only image in my head I see of that game is just Peppers coming straight at Rodgers, and all of a sudden, you just see, I just saw Rodgers get out away from Peppers. I didn't even notice Kuhn made the block live. <laughs> and I just saw, so I see I see Rodgers get away. I look down the field, and I just see Cobb, you know, 30 feet in front of me, waving his hand. And I, just like uh, Larry McCarron on the Packers call, I was like, he's got Cobb, he's got Cobb, you know? <laughs> and next thing you know, the ball is just floating in the air for an hour. And then finally, it lands in his arms. And it was, I mean, it was me and my dad and about, all Bears fans. There's no Packer fans in our section, but I didn't care. It was one of those moments where nothing matters. It was it was honestly something I'll never forget. And it was just, it was so cool. It was just so cool to be there. I got goosebumps. I remember that. I remember the Lara V. McCarron call where McCarron screaming, yep. yes, completely goes yeah. unprofessional for a second. And <laughs> yeah. Lara V's there taking care of it. And for you to be there, that's incredible. Um, we were at a bar in Milwaukee. I still remember it. Uh, everyone going nuts. You know, Rogers coming back, you know, he had been hurt. And to see that, I, now that was, uh, now was that the, again, the Hail Mary 
No, so that in, was in in the playoffs with the Cardinals. Ca- no, that no, was no, 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 that no. was 2015. So this was the year. So they won that game versus the Bears, and then unfortunately in the wild card round they lost, I believe, 20 to 17 versus the uh, versus the Niners. That's on, right. On that last second field goal. Yep, and I was at that Niners game. That's where Micah Hyde dropped that uh, interception uh, from Kaepernick, uh, and Dom Capers actually called a really good game. Had the correct players in place, and the players didn't execute. One, I remember Jared Bush being a guy that Kaepernick owned in that game. Um, I forgot about that. That was the first collarbone injury, and then beating the Bears, getting in, and then um, yeah, the, the it was supposed to be one of the coldest games in history at Lambeau Field for that playoff game, and ended up being only like only like negative twenty with <laughs> yeah, the windshield. Exactly. That was nothing. I showed up. Yeah. <laughs> I showed up without a shirt on for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a normal July for Green Bay. Exactly. But uh, thank you for reminiscing for uh, the the Packers memory, your favorite Packers, and how you became a Packers fan. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back for the second half of Eli Berkovitz on tap talking about the NFL draft. Go Pack Go. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Here at Sonic Transformation, we believe that every good audio project starts with a good foundation. We want to help you build that foundation, whether it be through commercial products or things you have around the house, no job is too big or small. We can make your podcast sound the best it can with what you have and a little nudging along the way. No equipment? No problem. Our consultants can help you get set up on your budget and in your space. Do you already have an established podcast but don't have the time to edit or just wish it sounded better? We can take care of that for you as well. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Again, that's www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. We are back for the second half of Eli Berkovitz on tap. And now the moment we've all been waiting for and the moment we've been talking about ad nauseum for the last few weeks, the NFL draft. And I've been asking other guests uh, that have been on, if you're on the clock or say you're in the first round, what do you think Brian Gutekunst does? So either you're on the clock at 30 or it's in the first round and the draft is underway. Are you are you trading up? Um, are you trading back? If you decide to stay at 30, what pick or what player are you looking at? I've been going back and forth on this a ton just because I think like a month ago, I thought there was a, maybe a chance we would trade back. No way we would trade up. And then there's reports the Packers want to trade up for a receiver. But I still just find it hard to believe the Packers would trade up for a receiver in such a receiver-heavy class. So I think unless one of Lamb, Judy, or Ruggs falls... I don't think they're really going to trade up for a receiver. I think it's almost more likely they trade back. And I'm someone who I would like to see them pick someone at 30. But if they traded back and picked up, let's say, an additional two second rounders, maybe from the Rams who have two second round picks or the Colts, that's a move I could see Goody making. And then, you know, you got to select three players in the second round and get some great value. But if you want to talk just at 30, and I, and I would have to assume the top three receivers and Justin Jefferson are gone as well as Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen because most mocks, that's just what it is. So if I was at 30 and that was the situation, I'm very much starting to fall in love with two receivers, which is Brandon Ayuk and Jalen Rager. Either one of those two at 30 
I would be fine with. And if they went with someone like Josh Jones, the tackle, even though fans might say it's boring or it's not, you know, it's not it's not such a sexy pick, whatever, but we see how important tackle is. And we signed Wagner, but it's not a sure thing. He's definitely not young either. So if they want to add a legitimate tight uh, tackle prospect at 30, I could see them do that because I think at 62, they could still get a great receiver. But I really, really like Jalen Rager. Uh, I just, everything I watch of him, he just, he's so fast. He's so explosive. I think he would be a great move at 30. Now with Jalen Rager, are you concerned at all, like with his low testing numbers? I've been diving into uh, the relative athletic scoring, the RAS, and uh, courtesy of at, uh, Math Ken Platt, and I've been researching more and more on on Gutekunst's tendencies. When it, I mean, granted, this will be his third draft, so we'll get to see a little bit more. We'll have a three year now autopsy that we can see if there's any parallels, any sort of consistencies, any sort of preferences with Gutekunst. He has shown that he, you know, he's a wild man. He's a wild man when it comes to the draft. He'll trade up, he'll trade back multiple times, which I love. Very different than when Ted Thompson would do. And Ted Thompson was in that 2005 NFL draft, How Far Will Aaron Rodgers Go, the documentary that I watched. And he talked about it. I, I chuckled at this because Ted Thompson said, you know, we weren't going to do anything like trade up in that draft to get a player. We were going to let the draft fall to us. We weren't going to do anything crazy and trade up. And so I think it's so funny that, you know, Gutekunst being a disciple and acolyte of Ted Thompson, his penchants to trade up, to go after a guy rather than have the draft fall to him. So a guy like Justin Jefferson is a guy that I could cl- see Gutekunst trading up for. But it being such a deep wide receiver class, that's where I... S- I, I pause on that with Jalen Rager. Are you concerned? Like uh, he tested in like the, the in the six range, so from one to ten, test in the six range. Gutekunst in the last two drafts in 2018 and 2019, he likes guys at nine plus. Do you think this is an outlier? Then I mean, I, I think it could be because you know I I'm all for the RAS scores and athleticism and getting guys who are versatile and well rounded, but at the end of the day. The, the, the tape doesn't lie with when it comes to Rager or even if it comes to someone like Ayuk or, or even maybe Denzel Mims, like these guys have all shown that they can perform at a high level on the field. And I, I honestly think the Packers maybe get too, at least Goody over the last couple of years, for sure with receivers when it comes to the whole size issue. You know, they're so obsessed with getting guys that are like at least 6'3", 6'4". And I understand, but you look at players like Tyreek Hill or even Randall Cobb, Greg Jennings, guys that were in the Packers offense and had success, they were under six feet. So mm-hmm. someone that I really think the Packers sh- should target in like the second round is uh, KJ Hamler because oh, he, you know, it. he's a short guy, but he's insanely fast, crazy explosive. And bottom line is like Steve Smith, one of the greatest receivers ever. He was five, nine, you know, bottom line is sometimes there are outliers that go beyond testing and go beyond measurements, and they're just good football players. Tyreek Hill, it goes well beyond measurements. You know, the guy's an absolute freak. And if a team went and looked at him and said, oh, but you're not six feet tall, I'm not going to draft you. Like, that seems a bit silly to me. So I hope I hope Goody will overlook some of his, some of his traits that he's so set on if the right player is there. And it's not more about, you know, the height that is a, you know, pause where I, I wonder what Goody is going to do because you, you don't know what Goody is going to do, you, you, you know, and I think 
uh, after this draft, we might have a better idea of if he really does um, admire, he is more enchanted by the the RAS scores. And it, it shows, you know, it shows in the uh, 2018 and 2019 drafts that all of the guys outside of maybe two or three were in that nine plus range. And that's where Rager, a guy that I know a lot of Packer fans are infatuated with, um, him being in that six range, Denzel Mims being at like nine, four, eight, other guys like Chase Claypool, who sit up at the top of that uh, RAS score at 998 are guys that where the tape really isn't that explosive. And so Rager is a guy that I'm super excited about. It just makes me wonder if that, if his scoring or his testing fits into what Gutekunst has in mind. That was my biggest question. No, I hear that. I mean, if, if he's, if he is as set as it seems like he was over the last two years on RAS scores, then yeah, it's very likely they won't pick him. You know, as it is true, he's been just about always at the minimum, at least an eight, you know, any, any pick he's made has been about, I think at least an eight. Right. So if he really does look at that and say, you know what, I'm not even considering people below a certain number, then I guess Rager would be off the board. But I just hope I just hope that isn't the the case, because I just I think, you know, it's nice to have all these different testing and scores in this stat, but it's also football and you also see what you see with your eyes. And if you're a talent evaluator on the Packers, I don't know how you could look at Rager's tape and say he's not he doesn't have the talent to be what they think he could be in the NFL. And he was playing on an offense with some very much below average quarterback play. So you, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, cra- a guy like him, LaVisca Chenault, other guys, you know, in college, you're not playing with NFL quarterbacks. So sometimes mm-hmm. people want to look at stats or what they or their t- Sometimes they're just stuck in bad situations with quarterbacks who would never make it to the NFL, who aren't that good. And Rager, even with that, still made an impact and more so his impact on special teams, which we all know the Packers desperately need. He's a terrific returner. Amazing, amazing pun returner. So if they added him, it would really be, you know, you're getting yourself your number two receiver and your punt returner in the same move. I love it. I love it. And moving on to another draft question, are, what are some mid-round targets or positional players that you think Gutekunst will target or attack? So I think in the middle rounds, um, we're definitely going to see a running back, um, at least one running back drafted this year. Someone who's getting a lot of steam lately towards the Packers and just overall hype in the draft is Memphis running back Antonio Gibson. Uh, People, yeah, 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 exactly. People are starting to get really high in him. So I could see the Packers going after him sometime, maybe during day two. Other guys, maybe like if they they don't go tackle in round one, I could see uh, Matt Pert or a Ben Barch in the mid rounds at tackle, I think are both great options. There's a, I think, and then as you get more into the middle rounds, I think that's when you're going to start maybe seeing them go after some defensive backs. Uh, there's a handful of different options. They could go after someone like Terrell Burgess, safety out of Utah. They could probably get on day two. Antoine Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a, we all know Petson likes his defensive backs and the hybrid guys. So when he, so we don't know what he's going to do at middle linebacker. You know, he could go and try to get Murray or Queen, or he might try to plug in a Jeremy Chin or a Winfield to play middle linebacker next to Kirksey. So there's a lot of options when it comes to uh, what they're going to do in the middle of the defense. 
Yeah, and when it comes to defense too, you know, I look at the possibility of, you know, Petten played a lot of dime last year. And so going at nickel and being a little bit more diverse, is that something that you see the Packers possibly doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, they clearly want speed on defense as opposed to size. So if you go and you have your front seven of the Smiths and the Clark and Kenny Clark and all that, and you can go and add... I mean, adding someone like Patrick Queen, let's say, you know, to the middle of this defense, I think would be a, a major game changer just because of his speed. He's a former running back. But even if they did go with a hybrid guy like Chin or Winfield, those guys, you know, it may seem strange because they just drafted Savage. But if they're going to draft a safety and essentially use him as a middle linebacker, I guess it doesn't really make a difference. So essentially getting like a Josh Jones replacement. Exactly. On him. Yeah, exactly. A Josh, a Josh Jones, that will hopefully work out. <laughs> and yeah. And how quickly we forget about Josh Jones, too. You know, a couple of years ago, talking about how, you know, he was clearly my favorite draft pick, just the athleticism and, you know, his OTAs and minicamp. And again, it's another reason to, you know, we get excited about the tape, but then you look at the overall overall aspects of a player, too, how they fit into that team culture. I'm excited to see uh, what kind of pieces we get with Patton because, you know, we've strapped him and now we've got the, you know, with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, but safety's a, a position that I've been keying in on a little bit more because with Amos and Savage after that, I really wonder what, you know, the Packers would do. And then also at secondary with Kevin King in his last year going into a contract year, you know, I, I, I don't know what the Packers have in mind, but I find it hard to believe with all the other needs that they have that, that they would extend him, but I could I, I could be clearly wrong. In in those mid-rounds, uh, two players that I really like are Mar- uh, Madre Harper and Reggie Robinson the second, Reggie Robinson out of Tulsa, uh, and uh, both of those guys being high, highly athletic, highly intel- intelligent in that nine point, I think Harper was like a nine five and Reggie Robinson was a nine eight, guys that are slowly creeping up. So yeah, and that's, in those fourth, fifth, fourth, fifth rounds, but who knows? Do you see Gutekunst? I The more I look at it, you know, I didn't address this with your pick thirty, but the Packers trading back at pick thirty, getting extra picks, and then using those picks to then trade up from sixty-two up into that mid-fifty range is where I'm really looking at that. So the the middle round is where I think it's a crapshoot. I don't even know if Gutekunst will have those picks. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think. Right now, they have 10 picks. I, I don't see any way they draft 10 players. I don't see why they would do that. I think min, I think you go, you draft seven or eight players, you move around where you need to. So yeah, if it ends up being where <clears throat> they take two or three guys in the top six, uh, in the top, you know, 60, and then not have a pick maybe in the fourth round, like I would take that. I think, I think they have a lot of options at 30 because, you know, if, if let's say Jordan Love falls or a team's really in love with uh, a quarterback or another player, again, like I mentioned, specifically the Rams and the Colts, if you could pick up two more second-round picks in addition to number 62, and now you have three second-round picks, you can either take those three picks or you can move up again and take two second-round picks. I mean, there's so many options that I do think, and I'm hoping, honestly, for a top-heavy draft and then get some upside guys at the end. But the Packers were 13-3 and last year. They know that they they need a couple playmakers and they can make a serious push. So I hope that's what they have in mind for this draft. 
Yeah, me too. I think we're on the same page when it comes to that. I see a trade back. I would love to get more players in that top 100, having more swings at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of going into the late rounds, is, are, is there a player or two that have, that's caught your eye that uh, our listeners should be aware of that maybe their name that name gets called when the Packers announce? Um, late in the draft, I mean, I, there's a couple receivers I like that I think are going to go late. One of them being James Prochet out of SMU. He's a smaller guy, kind of guy, but a speedster looks really, really good and someone that I would love for them to look at late. I also think there are a couple defensive backs, someone like Julian Blackman or Neville Clark, both cornerbacks, I think are guys in the sixth or seventh round the Packers could look at. And then you could go with, with the running back, with the running back route and someone like Patrick Taylor out of Memphis or A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. I do think they're going to add a running back knowing that Jones and Jamal Williams are heading into their final year. So while I hope, I mean, I I don't know, I guess we won't get into the whole pay running back discussion, but (laughs) I do think they're going to add a running back just to be safe. Yeah, and I do too. And, you know, the juice experiment with Dexter Williams, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. But adding another running back, you know, you talked about Gibson out of Memphis. He's a guy that he's not just a running back. He's a chess piece. Uh, a gadget, uh, a player that um, I'll talk about with uh, Neebles in our uh, NFL draft episode later later on in the week as the NFL draft kicks off is uh, Danny Pinter out of Ball State, a guard uh, who can play tackle. He had the second fastest 40 in the combine next to Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. He's a guy that is a, a, a name to keep an eye on that I, I'm really excited about. And I really do believe that the Packers invest heavily in offensive line. You had, you had mentioned that they aren't the most popular pick, but a guy that uh, I have really keyed in on is Danny Pinter, as well as John Runyon out of Michigan as well. I don't know where they fall because those mock simulators, that's not going to be the same way as the NFL virtual draft. But he's a guy that uh, um, I hope our listeners keep an eye on as well. And uh, well, I appreciate it, Eli. This was uh, really insightful. I, you know, talking about Aaron Jones and his impact, talking about Jalen Rager too, a guy that uh, has been a fan of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I know that there are a couple Packer fans on Twitter that are already calling it, that's saying that Jalen Reagan's going to be picked 30. Uh, and he has been a name that has eluded the Unknown Packers podcast with our guest episode. So there you have it. Uh, sprinkling in another name for our listeners to keep an eye on. And you've made me a little bit more of a believer. I've been strongly tied to uh, the RAS scores. And so you made me a believer. And yet you're right. The tape does not lie. <laughs> and I've got two things before we wrap up. Eli Brickovitz on tap. And I didn't mention this during our uh, pre-planning phases, but I ask a pop quiz question to all of our guests. And uh, with this pop quiz question, if you could have one beverage, I mean, obviously water because it's the source of life, but outside of water, if you could have one beverage for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, I mean, I think the only answer here is beer. Uh, <laughs> I think a nice, uh, a nice Ho Garden, a okay. nice, uh, yeah, a nice cold glass of beer. I mean, I could drink that for the rest of my life with these. Well, there you have it. There you have it. A nice hoe garden. Eli Berkovitz on tap. Eli, can you tell everyone where they can, all of our listeners, where they can follow you and all of your great Packers content? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so everyone can find me on Twitter at book of Eli underscore NFL. You can also find my brand new fantasy football podcast called AMA Fantasy Football. On Twitter, it's at AMA Fantasy. 
Uh, we release weekly episodes with guests. We've had guests, you know, like Marcus Grant from NFL Fantasy Live and Eric Crocker, who's who's a great NFL personality, used to be in the NFL. So we're doing fantasy football all for the fans. AMA, ask me anything. We spend most of the show answering the fans' questions. So anything you got, you just DM it to us and we got your answers for you. Awesome. Can't wait to continue to follow you and uh, congratulations on all the success that you've had. Uh, You clearly deserve it and uh, looking forward to getting you back on the Unknown Packers podcast, talking NFL draft after the fact, but thank you so much. And there you have it. Eli Berkovitz on tap. Go Pack, go. I am your host. Well, what's that? No, I just said go Pack. Go Pack, go. I am your host, Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound, refined.